One of my mentors has always said, you know, when you think you're over communicating, you've only just begun. And I have found that to be incredibly true. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Today, I'm super excited to have Julie Masson on the show. Julie, I tell you, I have been waiting for this interview because we've had no less than four of our guests say that you are the gal that we needed to interview. So I'm super stoked to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I think those guys are, like I said, I think they're running out of people to suggest, but I'm happy to be here. I'm not an expert, but I'm happy to chat. Well, I I think that is a, uh, like what you said, you're not an expert, but uh, I think the the people who are truly, really good in their craft don't view themselves as experts and they're constantly learning. And I think that's why everybody says you have to talk to Julie. So uh, we're thrilled that you're here. I'll try not to let you down. So currently you are the director of external engagement for the ERLC, which is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. So just, just talk to us, what do you do as the director of external engagement? Is that PR? Is it marketing? Is it social media? Kind of what all does that engage? That is a great, a great question. So I started at the ERLC just running their social media, and that was about five years ago. And then my role has increasingly grown. And then I, I came on full-time about two years ago as their director of marketing. And then about a year ago, we had some restructuring And I now work in the external affairs office at the ERLC. And so under that office, I am over marketing, which includes social media, which includes email marketing, includes kind of SEO, campaign management, donations, all of that kind of stuff. I get to manage the marketing side of that. But then I also get to handle, I get to handle all the coordination of our partnerships, our messaging, things like that. So I don't handle PR or content, but I work with PR and I work with content. I work with our media team. We're all under the external affairs umbrella, but I would say marketing and donations and campaigns, fundraising, all of that, um, that takes up probably about 70 to 75% of my role right now. Got it. Okay. So you've been working in the digital space for how long? Oh, um, you know, it was 2010 when I first began working as an administrative assistant for a ministry. It's uh-huh. called the Upstream Collective, and they actually were based in Europe, but they work with churches here in the States, and they're still around. They're doing great work, um, and they help churches be a sending church, and so they, they hired me to help with a lot of things, but the very, very first thing I did back in 2010 involved Twitter, and I had to use Twitter to communicate with potential leads and communicate with pastors and I actually screwed up the very first thing that I did. I messed up and we had Ed Stutzer messaging us saying, hey guys, can you stop? And I, I felt so bad, but that was my first dip into social media and it just kind of grew from there. So I've been working in the digital marketing space since 2010, okay. which is crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've seen a few changes over the years. Yeah. Uh, just, just, you know, so, so you started in, with Twitter in 2010. 
Walk us through your other work experience that brought you to the place where you are with your ERLC right now. Okay, so I, um, like I said, I began with Twitter and helping with administrative stuff for the Upstream Collective. And a lot of what that involved was managing their social media, writing blog posts, managing the blog, writing emails, um, thinking through content. And then in 2013, I was still working for them. And through that, I also worked, um, they had something called the Skybridge Community, which eventually ended up becoming part of the International Mission Board. And the Skybridge community was all about helping people go overseas with their regular jobs. And so I moved into that, I think around 2012. And then in 2013, I started my own business. I did um, Kansas City Moms Blog. I was the founder and owner of that. And when I did, when I did that secular business, I learned all the things related to marketing because then I had to deal with um, sponsorships and sponsorships for our events and paid ads on our website and sponsored posts. And then we were, I had a team of 13 writers and we had, we were producing daily content mm. and we had to build an audience and we had to get people to our events. And so I learned on the fly. Um, and I had a great network of other women who were doing these blogs all around the country. Um, but I had to learn on the fly what marketing is. And I don't even think I really realized I was learning digital marketing and so I did that in 2013. Six months later, I sold that blog and that business because even though I was an am a mom, it just wasn't my world. <laughs> so it just, it wasn't something I was super passionate about and it took up a lot of time. It was profitable, but it was just kind of consuming a lot of my time. So I sold that and shortly after that, I was still doing my job with Skybridge and I learned the term communications as, a, as an industry. And I realized, oh, I've been doing communications and marketing because I, I didn't know really that's what it was. You know, for so long I was known as, oh, Julie's a social media girl. She knows social media. She's good at social media. And so I realized I had been learning these skill sets of, um, you know, content marketing, email marketing, content development, web development, blogging, social media, all of those things. And then I would say within the past probably four to five years at the ERLC, where I've learned um, actual digital ads. What does it look like to um, do an ad placement? What does it look like to run a Facebook ad campaign? And I don't, I know enough about that stuff to, you know, quote, be dangerous, but I don't actually manage those things for the ERLC. There's someone on my team who does all of our paid ads. But um, yeah, I kind of learned all of the things I know now, um, quote, on the streets, you know, I learned yeah. it without realizing I was learning it and just kind of learned it because I was in it. Um, and then I also worked for an organization called Church Answers. Jonathan Howe and I both worked there together and I learned a lot there as well. Um, and I came to the ERLC in 2016 as a contract worker to handle their social media. And now I'm here today. So that's a little bit of a roundabout story, but I always say I fell into marketing because I went to school yeah. to be an elementary education teacher and I taught Spanish right out of college and now I'm doing marketing and it's not at all what I would have ever thought I'd be doing. So, so you would be surprised at how many folks that we talk to that that is the case where they went to college for something completely different than where God has them now. And yeah. uh, I, I think, I think it's really important that we learn to be learners and we learn how to think Absolutely. critically because if we're able to do that, you know, there is really isn't anything that we can't do what uh what god calls us to so yeah no that's 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 really good so talk talk to us about the team your team structure 
at the, at, at the, who's on, like, how do you have your team structured and how do you, um, yeah. yeah what, what does that look like for you right now? So right now on my team, I have three members on my team. They're all part-time and they each do a piece of the marketing pie. And sometimes I look at other teams, whether it's in the secular world, or um, I was talking with a friend who manages marketing at a seminary and we actually sat down a couple weeks ago and I said, Hey, tell me how you go from, you know, idea to execution. What I see out there on the internet, tell me how you do that. And he walked me through how he does it. And I went, Oh, you have a really big team. You have this, this, and this. So my team is pretty small. And so um, sometimes when I compare myself to other teams, I feel like, Oh man, we're not going to be able to do everything, you know, we should be doing in the marketing world. But um, I think, you know, we have what we have and God is able to use us. And so what we have on our team, like I said, is not a full marketing team, but it Mm -hmm. does for the most part, I think it touches on, on all the pieces of the marketing puzzle. So um, we have an ad strategist. Her name is Amanda. She is, we contract her to handle all of our paid ads. She can do um, Google AdWords. She can do our YouTube ads, Facebook ads. She also handles all of our analytics. So she's the one who's able to tell us, hey, here's what the data is telling us about how people are getting to our website how, how people, um, how people are interacting with our website once they get here, how many people are engaging with our ads. She's the one that's able to tell us all that. Um, and I, I have worked her in this role since I started at the ERLC. And I like to say she's the other half of my marketing brain. Um, Mm -hmm. if I'm the architect of what we're doing, she's the, she's the carpenter that actually goes in and does it in terms of the true, like ad buys, marketing funnels, all of that. So Amanda is our dad, data and analytics person. And then we also have someone, he's another part-timer. His name is Conrad and he handles all of our email. So he manages all of our email lists. He keeps them clean, makes sure that we don't have, you know, missing emails, missing names. Um, he's got our list segmented so that I know what are our lists that are interested in ministry issues? What are our lists that are interested in um, race. What are our, what are our lists that are interested in, um, gender identity, for example, and it's important that we have those lists segmented out so that as we interact with our list, we're not just sending everybody information that they might not be interested in. So he handles all of our email, but he doesn't just manage them. He also writes all of our emails that we send. So a lot of times when you get you know, emails from an organization, it will come from a person, but it's very common that someone else will write that. Now we at the ERLC will always make sure the person that's sending it sees it and looks at it and says, yes, this is something I would say. This is something that sounds like me or no, you need to change this, this, and this. So we've got one person that handles all of our email marketing. And then we also have another part-time girl. Her name is Grace. She is a stellar young college student and I want to keep her beyond college, but I I probably won't get to. She also is part-time and she manages all of our social media. So Mm -hmm. she is responsible for looking at the content that is coming out from our content team. And um, she works with me knowing what kind of marketing social media posts do we need? What kind of partnership social media posts do we need? And she makes sure that we cover all of those bases on social media. And so she does, she writes copy for social media and just make sure all of our social channels are working as they should be. That's great. That I, I love what you said that you have somebody who is really looking at the analytics side and is kind of like your other half. You bring the strategy. She brings a, okay, here's, 
here's what's really working, what's not working. And uh, yes. um, I would die without her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that that's really good. And I, and I think it's too, I, I'm actually really, really glad to have you on the show because you have a small team because a mm. lot of ministries. Uh, so, so some, we, some ministries are the whole gamut. Some ministries like, mm-hmm. like one person does all of the marketing. And so not just the digital, but the print and, and everything and others like what you mentioned, um, you know, they'll have a, a marketing team of 20 people and uh, it, it, it runs a gamut. And what, what, um, you know, what advice would you give maybe a smaller ministry where they just have one person in the role right now? What advice would you give, give to them to be able to make as to, to, to where is the best time for them to put their put, best place for them to put their time in uh, yeah. to be able to do to, to be able to be effective? Yes, that's a good question. I would say you first need to make sure that that one person that you have is the right person. Mm-hmm. I think especially in ministry settings or small organizations, um, we can tend to see marketing or communications as, and eh, like, that's kind of a support thing. Christians tend to feel squeamish about marketing. And so <laughs> we can tend to just throw an intern in that role or, you know, someone that's good with websites, let's have them do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really common for ministries or small organizations to get stuck with someone in a role that's really really not a good for them. So if you've got someone in that role who is not a learner, not ambitious, not um, self-starting, not wanting to try new things, I think you're going to have a hard time. But if you have someone in that role who is hungry and ambitious and wants to grow and learn, then I think it's wise to invest into that person um, with the core channels that matter to your organization. Hmm. For example, I would love to have a full-time videographer who Mm -hmm. could just make videos for us and do amazing things with video. But because of the size of our organization, I know, and, and because of our brand, we're just not as visual of a brand. And so it's just not as necessary. Our brand relies more on sometimes more academic or um, we rely more on written content or audio content. We have a lot, we have several podcasts. So I would love to have a videographer, but what I, like if I only had to have one person on my team, I would want someone who is strong with um, social media skills and strong with email skills. Those would be my two biggest needs because if we don't have a big budget for ads, then I would want to outsource that to someone who is an expert in ads. I don't need an ad expert on my team. I don't need, um, I don't even need an SEO expert on my team or an SEM expert on my team. I don't need experts in those roles. I need to be able to outsource those roles um, on an as needed basis, but on a daily basis, monthly basis, what's crucial to my, to my brand is that we have strong social and strong email. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you know, which channels, for example, if you're at a church and you know that you're going to be using social media and maybe something like planning center, whatever your communication Mm -hmm. is with your church, you need to have someone that is strong in that. And then if you know, you're also going to sometimes need video or maybe even sometimes we need to run some paid local geo-targeted ads, you should outsource that because then you're not spending money on that on a staffer, but instead you're investing into one staffer and letting them do its core, you know, those core things that matter to you. But I also think it's important that you really do invest into them 
get them the training they need, get them reading the right blogs, get them listening to the right podcast so they can grow. I, I really like the framework that you've used. You, you basically said the people you hire need to be tied to your core and your content, yeah. right? Your core and your content. And then there's other things that you need periodically. And those you can look, I mean, there's really, really good contractors that you can yes, touch yes. for that. And, uh, Absolutely. And, and I, know, I know we found too that we may contract with somebody for a while and then we just realize, hey, they're a really good fit for our team. And they be, end up becoming staff members. Yeah, when the, when yeah. The timing is right. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's really good. You know, if you mentioned you mentioned uh, Google Ads and, and some of the advertising thing. Now, ERLC that you guys are a nonprofit, so I'm assuming you guys are using Google Ad Grant for as a part of part of that, or where Google gives you ten thousand dollars worth of in kind advertising. Um, not that I know of. <laughs> That's actually okay. new to me. No, we haven't. We haven't done a lot with Google. I would say most of our ad spend happens with Facebook with ads, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram sure. ads, because you know Instagram is owned by Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. but no, I and I'm not sure. I know with us, um, it could be something to do with statement of belief or um. They're not a discrepancy, but you have to be able to sign off on agreeing to something that Correct. we might, as our organization, especially what we talk about, we might not have been able to, but I honestly yeah. don't know. I don't yeah. know the answer to that it, question. It'd be worthwhile you checking that out anyway, because yeah. a lot of the ministries that we work with, they, they do utilize this $10,000 of free advertising that Google gives us or gives our clients. I have clients not heard of that, that, which is um, blowing my yeah. mind. I'm thinking, why yeah. have I not heard of that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's worth 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 watch, worth worth uh, your time checking out. Anyway, I yes. also love what you said around segmentation. Um, mm. You know, for your emails that you're sending out, what are other ways that you look to identify the like who your audience is uh, around? Is it is it segmentation as email? Do you have anything like that on your website that you're able to to segment folks or or for yeah. how many for all does the segmentation touch for you right now? We, I mean, the analytics you can get from your social channels will give you a good, a good sure. understanding of your yep. different audiences. So for example, yep. we know that our Instagram audience is, is like 25 to 45. It's, uh, I think 65% female. Um, whereas our Twitter audience is about the same age, but it's higher, you know, there's more male and you yeah. can get into the, the estimated earning income. In fact, I think one of ours it was interesting on Twitter. It, so a soccer mom was one of the demographics that came up on Twitter, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, we really look at that when it comes to planning, especially what we're going to do on social is we kind of look at our demographics and say, okay, man, you know, this particular issue that we're going to be talking about in a few weeks is really going to resonate with X audience. And we know that they're really active on Instagram. So let's make sure the graphics that we have really resonate with them. But sure. within our website, um, what we will do is we will create, um, this is both Facebook and website, we'll create, um, Amanda will create a Facebook ad audience based mm -hmm. off of traffic. So if someone goes to our site and engages with articles about, for example, transgenderism and maybe homosexuality, we will build an audience of people that are interested in those issues or people who interact with some of our content on race. And then we have these audiences so that, well, let's say we have a new book out um, for example, we had a coworker who had written a book called God and the Transgender Debate. Well, the who, which of our audience is going to be most interested in that book? 
probably those who have come to our website, who've read all of our content on transgender homosexuality and all that stuff. So -hmm. then we would be able to create, even if it's not an ad, we could just do a boosted post, but we could try and push that content out to that segmented audience. So that's one Mm -hmm. way that we do segmentation, but I would say the biggest thing we do with segmentation is on email for sure. Yeah, I know that, that, that makes a lot of sense as far as uh, uh, on your email, you're pushing directly what, what it is that they're interested in. So that's really good. Yeah. What you've mentioned a lot of different channels and how exactly do you measure success for your digital efforts? Oh, that's a good question. Um, with social media, we just did our 2021 year end report or yeah, year end report just a few okay. weeks ago. So I'm going to, I think a lot of it is top of mind. Um, yeah. so for social media, the metric that I watch the most there is engagement. I don't mm-hmm. care about likes. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care how many fans we have, you know, on Facebook. I don't care about how many followers we have. What I care most about is engagement though. I want to know, is our engagement going up or down? Because Mm -hmm. if we have, if people are engaging with our content on social media less then that tells me something that says something that we're doing is not resonating with them. Now we are a mission driven organization. Mm -hmm. We're an institution and we have a ministry assignment from the Southern Baptist convention and we're a policy organization. So we are not necessarily like some brands can say, what does our audience want? And then they give it to them based on what they see. We cannot necessarily do that. You know, we're going to speak to issues that we feel the gospel demands us to speak to, whether it's something that our audience necessarily wants us to say or not. And so we can sometimes get lots of engagement because people are angry with us. So we're not necessarily going to say, oh man, people were really mad about the fact that we said X, ooh, we shouldn't talk about that. We can't do that. That's not going to work for our brand um, or for the the goals of our organization. We're going to keep talking about things. And so sometimes our engagement is up because people are, they don't like what they're seeing from us. Hmm. But um, if people are commenting, if they're sharing, if they're, um, quote tweeting, you know, all of that, that Mm -hmm. helps with our engagement. So that is a metric that I really watch for on social media with email. If our lists are growing and, um, not, not even just like, yes, holistically, we want to make sure that all of our lists are growing. So the pure number of emails we have, we want to make sure that's growing, but, um, we also are trying to build different segments. So, we might be trying to grow a technology email list and we will run lead generation campaigns to try and grow mm-hmm. that list. So if those numbers are going down, that tells us, man, our content in email, we might need to restructure it. We might need to rebuild the templates. We might need different subject lines. You know, we're kind of, we're looking at mm-hmm. open rates. We're looking at click-through rates, all of that. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the metrics. And then the other big metric that we track is website traffic. Are people mm-hmm. coming to our site more than they were last year? Um, and we're dealing with an issue right now where our traffic is actually down and it's because our search traffic is down. So where social might've counted for X number of traffic that's up this year, but our Mm -hmm. search traffic is down and we're realizing that it happened at the time we did a, um, a new site build. And so we're realizing, Oh, we've got a problem with our coding. And so now we're talking with SEO people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our web that that's for me, that's like our fire alarm right now is yeah. we have to figure out search because we are talking about topics that if people search for, for example, 
what should a Christian think about the Equality Act? Well, we are touching on that subject so much that for us to not rank in the top three to five of a Google search is not good. We should be in that. So we're trying to, we're putting a lot of efforts into working, trying to fix that metric because that's a key metric I track. You know, you bring up a really good point. Just as far as any time an organization is doing a, a redesign, there are, I, I learned when I was inside a ministry managing a website, the first redesign we did, we saw the search engine tank, search engine traffic just tank. And um, yeah, so I, that's one of the key things for any organization when they're doing a redesign to make sure that they get those, yep. I forget the technical, it's a 301, 301 or 302 links going to the right place. And and so they don't lose the uh, lose the benefit of all the the Google juice, if you will, that they That's had right. from the previous site. That's and, right. Uh, so so yeah, that can be a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> yes. You, you know now now ERLC is in Nashville, but you live in Kansas City. That's right. So so talk about what and remote working. You know, some of us have been doing it for years. Others of us have been thrown into it in the uh, in this last year with the pandemic, mm-hmm. but you've been doing it for a while now, correct? You've been yes. I've working? basically been doing it since 2010 when I jumped okay. into that administrative role. Okay. Doing so, what advice would you have for folks that um, maybe are are not just working remotely but leading remote teams? Mm-hmm. How, how? What advice would you have for for those of us that are doing that? Um, one of my mentors has always said, you know, when you think you're over communicating, you've only just begun. And I have found that to be incredibly true. I am a high communicator. So I don't mind texting, emailing, slacking, calling. None of that bothers me. I don't mind meetings. I mean, I don't like endless long meetings. I don't have an objective, but mind, and I'm very extroverted. So I don't mind talking and interacting with people. But if you are leading a team remotely, you really do need to make lots of efforts because there's so much that can be misunderstood. And, you know, that it just can be lost in communication with, with, with Slack or whatever. So we have for the year at the ERLC, we have our office in Nashville and then we have our office in DC. And then there's Mm -hmm. a couple of us who are part-time and actually one of the other females who's leading a team, she is also remote. Um, She works, she works in East Tennessee and she leads quite a big team. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the keys is just having good structures and processes in place. I think having a weekly meeting touch point with your team to mm-hmm. make sure you're all on the same page. All right, what are we working on this week? What's coming up next week? What are some issues you know that you're facing? How can I help you? So I think you have to have multiple touch points of the same thing. So we will use Slack. I use Asana for project management. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of lay out, here's what's coming next. A flag thing for people in a in in Slack, and then it, it really is just it's over communicating to the point. Probably to I'm sure there are some people that think, oh my gosh, you've told me this over and over, <laughs> but I have found that you rarely regret over communicating. You always regret under communicating. Always. Yeah. 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 That I mean that ties to the the saying of vision leaks and. Uh, that's why you have to mm, keep yes. communicating, whether it's the vision or the big picture, but also the small details. And yeah, absolutely, communication and having the right processes in place so that uh, yeah. so that folks can folks can do that. Yeah, those are those are really good tips. Good. You know, one of the things that we talk about at Five Q is we call it our five multipliers of digital impact. So, five multipliers are awareness, 
engagement, conversion rates, average value, and retention. So and it, it's not it's kind of tied to the marketing funnel, but not really. We, we like to think of these as levers. So like if you get a mm-hmm. 1% increase in each one of those areas, your bottom line, what, however we measure the bottom line, whether it's a spiritual ROI or a dollar from a marketing or fundraising side. So if you, if you impact the awareness, the engagement, the conversion rate, the average value and retention, if you pull those levers, it will help help the ship rise. Um, yes. so, so where do you find yourself giving the most attention of those of those five awareness, engagement, conversion rate, average value and retention? I would say you said awareness. And what was your second one? Engagement? Engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, especially especially right now in the season we're in right now at the ERLC, those are the two biggest things. Um, for us, I, I say that for us right now, because, um, so much of what we do ends up being tied into politics. We're a policy Mm -hmm. organization, but we are not a political organization. Mm -hmm. We do not, you know, we don't advocate for one candidate at the local or, you know, national level at all. We don't, we don't do that. No matter who is in the white house or, you know, a governor, whatever, we're going to speak to the issues regardless. So, The reason I say that is we're just coming off of, you know, we, we now have a new administration in the White House. So, and, and organizationally, we have some new leadership. So mm-hmm. we, we're not in a place of needing to rebrand, but we are in a place of needing to speak to issues a little bit differently than we used to. So um, that means we're going to appear probably a little bit different. And, you know, for people who are people in our audience who are really concerned about things the new administration is doing, we have to make sure they know and they're aware, hey, this is how we're speaking to this issue. This is how we're advocating on this issue that we know matters Mm -hmm. to you. So awareness is a huge component. We are constantly thinking through you know, we know we're doing great work in DC in the policy space. And Mm -hmm. we know we're advocating on behalf of our constituents in the churches. We know that, but Mm -hmm. it's so easy for our audience to not be aware of what we're doing because of how politics has made everything so tribal. And it can be, it can just be hard to communicate that to people. So we really focus Mm -hmm. on doing a lot of awareness campaigns. And so we have a messaging calendar that is actually kind of almost more important. Well, I would say it is, it's, it's more important than our content calendar because our messaging calendar is what helps us say, this is what we are saying to our audience. And a lot of what we're saying to our audience is wrapped up in things that we need them to be aware of. And then engagement, we very much track that and we want people to be engaging with what we're saying and that's a huge metric that we watch. And I could go into that, but I feel like I kind of already covered that with the social metric. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, that's really good. The, uh, um, yeah, it, it, it seems like every organization we talk with, depending on where they're at, you know, the focus right now might be awareness. Other, others, I just talked with one yesterday, it was the retention side, you know, getting the people mm. to come back and re-engaging with them on a regular basis. So that's always fascinating yeah. for me to see just where, where folks are at in that, in that life cycle. Um, so, so you also are a mom yes. and full-time job and a yeah. mother. So, so just, just, I know we have a lot of in our audience who are working moms, just talk with us about how do you find the balance and how do you, how are you able to feel like at the end of the day, you get, not everything done, but you get the right things done. Yeah. 
That's a great question. So I have on a little sticky note in my bedroom, I have five words and those are the five things that I am investing my time into mm-hmm. in, on a daily, weekly basis. And so I try to evaluate my day and it's day I sit and stop and look at it and say, okay, how did I do? But mm-hmm. I do like to in general reflect. And so those five words are um, love, parent, serve, lead, run. So those are my five words. So I want to make sure that I am loving my husband well, that I am parenting my children well, that I am leading well at work, that I'm mm. serving well at my church, and that I'm that I'm running well. I love to run. So that's my hobby. And that's my, that's, you know, way that helps keep me healthy. And so yeah. those are the five things that I give my attention to. And if something comes at me that doesn't really fit with yeah. advancing yeah. those five things that I want to do well, I just don't do it. So um it's gotten a little bit easier. I don't like to say no. It's very hard. I'm someone who tends to take on more than I can really handle. And I end up having to, which is like, I took on, I started a business in 2013 and I was working part-time and I had three kids five and under. And so that's why six months later I sold that business. Um, so I have a habit of taking on more than I can, I can handle, but, um, yeah, I think having that filter of knowing these are the things God has placed in front of me and he's given these to me as gifts and he's given me certain talents and, and, you know, opportunities. And so I want to utilize those, but different seasons allow me to do more and different seasons. Yeah. I can't do as much. So I know my kids, I have kids at home for probably about nine more years. So in terms of where I'm at now with my job, I don't really want to advance too much above what I'm doing because I know it will require more travel, more responsibility, mm-hmm more stress. And and I don't want that until my kids are out of the house. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. So right now I just, I mean, (laughs) in general, I'm pretty organized, which is why I'm so, so terrible. I'm so frustrated that I missed, you know, our meeting earlier and that I was late to this podcast, but my husband and I communicate a lot. Hmm. We both have our planners and our schedules. I mean, I know that sounds super cliche, but we just, my husband's a counselor. So we communicate a lot about, what we're doing, what we can't do. Um, and we've got really great kids. And I think it's definitely not easy. And yesterday, the past two days, my kids were inadvertently out of school for two days. It was supposed to be the first week they got to all go back to school full time for the first time in a year. And I was so excited. And then the district had a malware attack and for two days, everything was shut down. So I, Yesterday, the past two days were hard trying to be a mom and deal with fighting and trying to deal with the fighting well so I could teach them. And then I was also working and it just, you know, those were two days that I didn't run. I didn't have time to run. And so I think you have to be able to look at what can I actually do today and be okay with saying, all right, you know, this thing is going to have to give. And so I think sometimes we think, especially as women, we think we can do it all, but you really can't you're only going to be strong at a few things. And so you have to pick what those things are. So that's kind of long roundabout way, but that's that's, to make it work. That's really, really good advice though, to have those five things that you're able to focus on and have them on a sticky note right in front of you. And (laughs) because that, that really provides you a grid, a filter by which you know what to say no to. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think the other thing that you said is that it's, it's easy to get to the end of the day and instead of beating yourself up or beating ourselves up when we don't get everything we've done, 
we realize tomorrow's a new opportunity. Tomorrow's yep. a new a new day, right. a new reset. I had a that's so similar thing. I've I have a morning process that I go through every morning, and I started at new the first of this year, and it had been going really good. And then the last two weeks, we we were actually down in Missouri and came back late on a Sunday night, like 3 a.m. We rolled in. So I got late start on the week. And so the last two weeks, I've just kind of been off, off kilter. And so I was just talking with my wife yesterday and it's like, you know, uh, I, I need to get back into the rhythm of getting up early and going through that process and, and just verbalizing that, just yeah. talking that through with her helped me keep bringing a level of accountability to this morning. It was, yeah, back on track, yes. back on things. Yes. And, uh, and we have to be willing, like, I think the other thing for women, especially there's this really good book that I read several years ago called the measure of success by, um, uh, I can't remember her last Carolyn McCauley. I think I'll have to look it up. Okay. It's called the measure of success. Hmm. And it spe- speaks specifically to women and saying, you know, the, the premise of the book is you, every season in your life is going to require something different. And your time, you, you know, you have, you have a certain amount of time, a certain amount of relationships and a certain amount of skills that you have to steward and different mm-hmm. seasons in life. You're going to be able to steward those things differently. I think that's really key for women. I don't have a lot of time for friendships right now. I have friends and it's important to have that, but I have very few true friends that I'm able to give time and attention to because that's yeah. the season of my life. When I was young, Younger and I was working part time and I had little kids. I had more room for those play dates with other moms, but I just don't have time for that right now. And I don't have to feel guilty about that because right. these other things I'm investing into this is the season of life that God has placed me. So yeah. I want to be faithful with that, and that's okay. Yeah, no, that's 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 really really good advice for not just women and moms, but for all of us to yeah yeah try true to, to apply. That's that's good. Um, Julie, this has been super, super encouraging and super helpful. I know our audience is going to really connect with what you're saying. Uh, One question I like to end with, I think most folks know this, but what is what is one blog or resource or book that you've been reading or following recently that you can share with our audience? I was I was looking at it right now. I'm going to try and grab it, but I don't want to mess up the sound and knock the computer. But um. I'm re I just finished about a few weeks ago, called a book called a time to build called Yuval or by Yuval Levin. And it hmm. is excellent. Um, a time to build is really about, um, why rebuilding the institutions in our country, how that would help our country flourish. So, hmm. um, he talks about kind of the, um, this, how we've turned, every like social media and it's not just social media. He talks politics, social media, our, our um, schools, families, religious institutions, how um, we've made so much of that. It loves, loves like social media and even politics. It's become so much about having a platform. We want to, everyone wants to have a platform and how that's made, even with social media, you can have a friend who, you know, in real life and on social media, it's like they're on a, stage is doing to our culture to kind of be, you know, pursuing fame and celebrity and how the boundaries that healthy institutions provide for us, those institutions help give us some of our identity. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just pursuing individualization, um, 
those institutions can help give us guidelines and boundaries so that we know how to rightly live in our society. <clears throat> and I'm not even explaining it well, but I have loved that book, A Time to Build by Yuval Levin. So I highly recommend it. And then I also read, I'll give you two. Um, yeah. I also read the book, You Are What You Love by, I think it's K.A. Smith. That book was incredible. And it just honed in on the point of like, of being faithful with what God has given you and um, making time and space for reflection. And you are a, you know, the, the old phrases you are, you are, what is it? You are what you, you are are what you you think. I don't remember what you are, what you eat sometimes. You are what you eat is one of them, but, um, but his thing is what you truly desire, what you pursue yeah. with your heart is what yeah. you really are. So whatever you give your time and attention to is what you really love. So are you giving your time and attention to, to the things of Christ? And so I, that book just really stirred up in me, this desire to focus on being faithful and mm. what God has given you to be faithful with might feel really small to you in comparison to what other people are seemingly doing and but tied into the other book of man we have become a culture that is so much about fame and platform and platforming and if we were all to just focus on being being faithful with what god has given us right here in front of us like for me it's those five things what that could do for our world and for our churches and for our own emotional and spiritual health. So those are the two I would recommend. Those are, I, I've not heard of the first one. The second one I think is sitting on our kitchen counter. My wife is reading it right now. It's and, so good. Uh, well, <laughs> even just the whole title. I mean, I had a conversation with our kids within the last two weeks about idols and mm. you know, what, do idol, what do idols look in, like in our life? And they can look, take lots of different forms. And, uh, but it comes back to, we are what we love. and. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's that's so good. So Julie, if a person wants to connect with you, get a hold of you or the ERLC, what, what's the best way to do that? Do you have email or Twitter or um, websites? What's the best way to to connect with you? You are welcome to email me. I am on email. You can just email my personal email. It's juliearmason at Gmail. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at juliearmason. I'm not super active on social media anymore because (laughs) social media wears me out and I do it for my job. Um, And so I'm on there tracking for, you know, for my brand, but that's where you can find me. And then the ERLC is on social media at ERLC for Twitter and then at ERLC SBC for Instagram. And of course on Facebook, we're, we're easy to find there. Fantastic. That we'll, we'll be sure to include both your recommendations as well as your contact info in our show notes. And again, I'm just really grateful to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for sharing your, your wisdom and your advice. And I know both large and small organizations will have something to take away from this. So thanks for, so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks.